the, for the readers, and of course I say readers because I listen to a gay podcast, but it has to be said that I have such a gay voice and that the, the listeners, readers, and watchers out there are going to love it and enjoy it and have to be prepared for it because there will be some gay ass shit. Oh my God. Spewing from my mouth. And by spewing, I mean flowing like a river, like a wonderful, glorious, beautiful waterfall river. Just keep going. Yeah, I'm spinning a yarn. I'm telling a tale here. <laughs> it's important that everyone listening knows that my gay voice will be in your ears and you will just be blessed by that today. And I'm so glad that you have the opportunity to, to experience that. Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Kenyon, and y'all already know that. And I'm Jerome. You knew that, too. But what you don't know is that today we have a guest. We're welcoming a writer, a brilliant thinker, a scholar, a philosopher, really, one might even say. It's Noah Parnes. <gasps> He's here, and we talk about, well, we just talk about everything, Diva. So strap in. And strap on, because <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Um, hey, queens. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> Wait, I, we should do, like, an introduction. We should do, like, a... <gasps> I don't think that's in... I don't think that's the tradition here on the podcast. I didn't know you were such a traditionalist, Jerome. Tradition! Well, wait. Tradition. What did you used to do? I'm, a, I'm the third guest. You're the third official guest. You're the fourth external person to make an appearance. Who was the other external person? <laughs> Kenny, do you remember? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's timely and it's relevant. It is really. timely. Who is it? Because <laughs> one, Miss Rafaela Donatich. Yes, in our second episode. Oh, we had her make yeah. a little. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I love those <laughs> little PSA about voting. Yes, I remember. I remember. I I feel like she recorded that on Halloween. Wow, that was making, so long ago. That right? That's like two whole years ago. It was the 2018 midterms. Um, and I think I think we recorded that on it because Halloween was a Wednesday because it was Wodes. And we were trying to record it before going to Wodes. This all is true. Wodes I know is this to dead. Be <clears throat> Wodes is everything. Never been. Don't say that. Are you kidding? But now that I'm 21, I'll go. But guess what? I can't because there's a pandemic. I hope that one day you do go. I will. Maybe. Anyway, so this is <laughs> Noah. <laughs> um, Noah Parnes. What is there to say about Noah Tattleman Parnes? That is my name. That's something. That's something to say. <laughs> That's something, That's something to say. say about me is that my name is that. Um... Noah, we all went to college together. We were in an acapella group together. Kenyon is laughing. Why are you You're laughing? You're giving me like, well, <laughs> well. So this guest. And... I'm trying to give the context to the people who may not know. In such a lackluster voice. <laughs> 
Lackadaisical. Okay, lackadaisical. Lackadaisical is the term I'd use. <laughs> wow, writer. <laughs> I mean, if we're really going to talk about Noah, I mean, writer, actor, singer, dancer, magician. Model, magician. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Noah, why don't you describe yourself? No, that's gross. <laughs> I'm supposed to be complimented, not compliment myself. Okay, Noah is gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> Noah is brilliant. Um, Noah is gay. Oh, that is a compliment. You're welcome. I actually think we're all gay. <gasps> deep down inside. But not actually? <laughs> not actually. No, no, no. But deep down inside. We all have a little piece. We all have a little piece of the Mean Girls um, plastic crown. The crown? Ew. I don't want that in my body, actually. (laughs) Not deep down inside, please. Why settle for just a piece of crown? Now, have you seen Yentl? No. Oh, my God. Well, I was going to add that Noah is Jewish, but now I feel like I shouldn't. (laughs) I haven't. I, I'm honestly like Barbara and I have not interacted very much. What on earth? Oh my god, we all watched Funny Girl together. We did. Wow. Noah's first round of Funny Girl. And you were like, it's so long. <laughs> that was like the first thing you said when it was over. I was like, she just sang my man. Are you kidding me? You're so disrespectful. <laughs> Length is like I, I was gonna say the best thing about it, but that's also rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't get to talk her. last week saying that Hello, Dolly was your guilty pleasure. Okay, but Funny Girl was a queer awakening for me. <laughs> okay. Wow. We had that on as, I used to do like family movie nights every Friday, starting from like elementary mm. school through the middle Most of high of school. Really not had uh, anywhere to go. <laughs> We're I've struck gonna, a nerve. We're just going to let that go. <laughs> we're going to let that slide. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, as I was saying, I used to <laughs> organize wholesome family events because I love building connection and community within my nuclear family. Mm. Um, Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. Am I right or wrong? Agree or disagree? Tonight. That the nuclear family is connected to capitalism? You're right. Thank you. So is so is every single thing we're doing. (laughs) Not Barbara Streisand's cinematic (laughs) career. (laughs) Oh, not connected to capitalism one bit? Not at all? At all. Not at all. Really? Yes, and I'm going to stand by that. Kenyon, continue. (laughs) Right, I'm going to finish my story. Um, (laughs) Which is that, so I'm like, okay, this looks interesting. Me... (laughs) You know, pick up the DVD from the library back yes, when the library could be. The library actually isn't a capitalist thing. The library is. So actually, we are finding our way into anti capitalist <laughs> things. Kenny looking smug <laughs> as a bug in a rug. Did you just call me a bug? It's like Please continue with your story. Racist fly memes. <laughs> There are, <laughs> with, no, with Mike Pence all around. Wait, there are racist ones. I mean, of course, but why? The ones that are like, that's Mike Pence's only black friend, and it's like, you know, you just called black people bugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly no. But 
I'm going to finish my story. So, <laughs> I wish you would. <laughs> How dare you keep interrupting Please, me. we are dying for it to end. <laughs> oh my God. So you got Funny Girl out of the library. I got it out of the, the library. The Leah Michelle version. <laughs> wait, wait, but when was it? Was this before or after Glee? Before or after Funny Girl? Pre, pre-Glee. Um, wow. Or maybe like just at the beginning. It was like, I was like sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Okay. Um, and I was like, I pick up this movie. I look and see that it's, you know, approaching three hours long. And I'm like, clearly this is for me. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> we're checking this out. I'm making you all watch this tonight. You're welcome. We all sit down. Everyone falls asleep except for me. I've got popcorn bowl in hand. I'm eating it up all the way into the end when she's singing my man and the camera is spinning around her. And I say, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. It's really that's, good. That's pretty great that that you stayed up and then you had this experience. Thank you for affirming me, Noah. <laughs> I love I love having you on this podcast. Actually, you're so you're so affirming and generous. You want that's to hear me. my story? Hey. <laughs> those are compliments that go in an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> we are still in the introduction. Um, and here's what we're going to do as a method of introducing not just Noah, but all of us. You know what I mean? Okay. So David Washington, our good Judy, t- uh, said this to us the other day, and I think that it is great. Um, and it is, he said that someone suggested this to him. To describe yourself currently as a diva, and then to describe where you want to be in the future as a diva. Or using a diva as, as you know, your symbol. Um, I will go first because I've already given both of you my answers. But I've never heard Kenyon's answer before. Um, and mm. when I suggested this to Noah the other day, he said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's just that I don't know... I don't know exactly what diva... I gotta admit that I looked up a list of divas. <laughs> Um, to just like <laughs> not both of you looking sure. up a list of divas. <laughs> what phone is that? <laughs> okay, I just showed everyone my phone, which I must say is an iPhone 6s, and Noah's out of here. Being oh, like, okay, it looked like a four. <laughs> and what was all that about Noah being affirmational, etc. <laughs> or anti-capitalist? <laughs> this has got to go. <laughs> Okay, I would say... I also have a success. This is Gaga on my screen, by the work. way. See, Gaga Sativa. Um, I would describe myself now as... <laughs> I describe myself via Whitney Houston in that Whitney Houston is like, you know, she thinks that she is funny and she thinks that she is talented and she kind of just is like out here having fun and like doing what she wants to do. And it doesn't always make sense to other people. Like other people are like, what did you say? <laughs> and she's like, I thought that was hilarious. And I would supremely describe that as me right now. Um, and just like having fun and doing her thing. I would describe where I would aspire to be through Lady Gaga, who I feel is like fearless and can do literally anything in the world that she sets her mind to, um, which I I would like to be there. Like, I feel like I, you know, have the ideas, the whatever, but Gaga is like, 
I'm doing it. It's happening because I've decided that it is. That's where my that's where I am. That's amazing. I mean, I love that mm-hmm. answer. And I love this question. <clears throat> it like it just makes me feel so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when I think about, you know, like what what diva do I resonate with now? I'm gonna pass on that for a second. Cause I know yeah. I know the where I feel I would I I know where I'm aspiring. Absolutely. Um but she's a little bit lost in the wilderness right now. But where I'm aspiring um, is absolutely Ella Fitzgerald. Wow. Extremely talented. <laughs> Hands it up. She, like, she just in, as she aged, she just never lost, like, the full fervor. And, like, was giving you live performance all the way up until the end. Um, mm. And, I mean, I want to, I, like... She's giving you icon and she's giving you diva, but not in like a very like overstated way. But like when it gets down to it, like everybody goes back to a bit of Ella. And I kind of like that feeling of like, you know, when it's all said and done, like you're not the name on everybody's lips until you press them. And then they say, you know what? Ella Fitzgerald. (laughs) Kenyon Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) Ella Fitzgerald dot dot dot. Kenyon Duncan, <laughs> period. That's actually my full name. Ella Fitzgerald, <laughs> with the ellipsis. Kenyon Duncan. Yes. Kenyon already has two middle... You already have about eight names in your name. Do you really? I have four names. Please tell. Are they two all first names? names? They yeah. are all first names. <laughs> wow. Wow. Kenyon Matthew Thomas Duncan. I'm just really laying out my entire self here. Yes, and your socials. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um... But love those names, and I love her name. I mean, Ella, are you kidding me? Ella. It's not, it's like, Ella. Okay, you're giving me blank stares, you're giving me... <laughs> no, I buy it, I buy it. You're giving me what is in a name. Okay, Shakespeare. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> no, no, there's nothing else I'd like to say. Wow. Um. Okay, so well, now comes to the part of our... Uh, interview episode where we bring on a guest and interview them that we allow them to answer the question third after we've already (laughs) answered the question giving them ample time to you know come up with something i have appreciated that i have appreciated that i will start with who i'm aspiring toward um because that's easier just because you know while i do appreciate your compliments it's like kind of hard for me to compliment myself and to say that i'm a diva right now would kind of just like I don't know, not really fit with my brand. No, I'm kidding. I will get there. But first, I will first say that, um, okay, so I'm aspiring to be kind of one of those, like, there are quite a number of these, kind of like still around older divas who are like having fun on Twitter or just like are around and are over it and are like, I am living my life. Like, I am having a great time, and all of you need to be having a better time. For example, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, Cher. <laughs> wow. Um, That's a good but answer. But, like, yeah. not in the way that is, like, removed from the world. I don't, like, I don't know how, I mean, like, Cher sometimes tweets, like, you know, like, if you're homeless, come hang at my house. And um, <laughs> And someone is like, are you really going to do that? And she's like, sure like I don't care like (laughs) like I'm so far away from you that like (laughs) 
you asking me that, like, I can answer or not answer, and and the the my answer <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> she's the epitome of like when old people just say stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and also like you know she's also like I assume a good person. I'm also thinking like I'm I'm thinking of the perfect moment. Um, with Aretha Franklin, in which she was uh, interviewed about other divas. And of course, when <laughs> when asked about, for example, Taylor Swift, she said, hmm, gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> Just asked to rattle off one-word answers for each diva. I, I wouldn't say that Taylor Swift is a diva in my book. But that's why, you know, for Aretha, it was just like, oh, yes, gowns. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing, I've thought a long time about this interview. Um, Nathan and I have talked about this interview many, many, many times. Um, and the the thing about that is that she's not trying to be shady. She's just trying to tell yeah. the truth. She's just like, what do I, I don't think about Taylor <laughs> Swift. Um, Taylor Swift, uh, I'm seeing her in my head. She's wearing a beautiful gown. Beautiful gown. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah. So you want to be a truth teller. I do. I do want to be diva that you want to be. For sure. A truth someone a, a truth teller, someone who is like unencumbered, someone who is like just open open to, you know, whatever flows out of me, my mouth. Okay. <laughs> um. Girl. <laughs> well, speaking of your mouth. <laughs> or yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of my mouth. <laughs> um the true introduction is that, Noah, you are a writer, you write plays, uh, you and I famously have written a show together. Famously, actually. Very famously. We famously continue, actually, to write a show together. Wow. Which is fun. Um, and uh, I think that's great. <laughs> you know what? I would have to agree with you. I'm actually being forced contractually to agree with you, but, you know, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were forced contractually. Oh. Uh, um. Wow. So well, the first question I have is kind of about your writing partnership and just how that goes. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. But Kenny, you do have a first question. Um, do I have a first question? I do have a first question. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me honest because I did say I wanted to grow up to be Ella but not a truth-telling diva. So... <laughs> Um, yes. I mean, this question, I said this before in the podcast, I kind of have adapted it from a, f a favorite interviewer of mine, Krista Tippett and her podcast on being, um, which everyone should go listen to. This question is, tell me a little bit about the creative life of your childhood when you were young. What, what was around for you creatively? What did you sink your teeth into way back when? Very interesting. Um... When I was little, I said, whenever anyone asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said, I want to be an artist. And I also said, gay. go gay. But I, <laughs> I said, I want to be an artist. And I said, I didn't want to go to college, um, <laughs> which is funny because I just didn't know what college was. Um, <laughs> and now I'm like, I can't live out of college. There's no world for me out there. Um, I will just stick around right here. Um, 
But, okay, so artist to me, though, meant painter. And I really had this vision of me, like, selling paintings outside of a Trader Joe's, which, like, does not make any sense. I don't think I've ever seen someone <laughs> selling paintings outside of a Trader Joe's. Um, but you were a pioneer in that sense. Exactly. Of course, yeah, I was, I was actually breaking ground. I was trailblazing in that way. Um, but also, like, I'm not a painter at all. Like, I never was. Um, I was never that. Um, but... I wanted to be an artist. Um, I suppose that is still the truth, which is kind of cool. Um, there was a time where I was going to be a psychologist, but that's not happening. Um, <laughs> but my creative my creative life as a child, I will say that I wrote my first um, little play in fourth grade based on the tale of Icarus and Daedalus. Um, I personified, I think we were doing like a, no, maybe we weren't doing an activity about personification, but I personified the earth, the moon, and the stars, and it started with the famous line, a bird or not a bird, that is the question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Afraid to reference or not reference. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. So I was um, making a reference to Hamlet, and I don't think I knew that I was making a reference to Hamlet, but I knew the line, and the question was, a bird or not a bird, because Daedalus and Icarus had the wings, blah, 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 the famous greek tale well i don't what i know what happens to icarus of course because you know he goes too close to the sun as he melts dies yeah and he melts what happens to daedalus he flies away so he's smart (laughs) well he just doesn't go so high so he's smart yeah i feel i was telling someone recently that like i feel (laughs) um mythology doesn't like I mean, it. Uh, I'm being kind of facetious, but it kind of doesn't speak to me because I'm kind of like, well, you just shouldn't do that. Like, at the beginning of the myth, when they're like, don't do this, like, you just shouldn't do that thing. Which kind of, I guess that makes me like, you know, I don't know if that's how I describe myself in real life, like, follow everything that everyone tells you. But like, you know, Orpheus is like, they're like, Orpheus, don't <laughs> look behind you. And then he does. So then he doesn't get to live with his wife. Well, I think what the important part of the myth is, is the fable, is the fact that it's only there to teach people, right? Because it's only there to tell you to look, to, to follow directions. Right, right, right. And in that way, it's propaganda. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, as I feel like most stories are in some way. Yeah. I mean, propaganda for what? (laughs) Right. Everything has a moral, right? So actually, this is good to think about in terms of my own writing. What am I trying to say to someone? What am I trying to convince someone of, right? Having a goal as a writer means that my characters may also have goals, which then means that I might actually write something good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. But I think I think with the myths, it's like a fable of, you know, this character, don't be like this character, or be like this character. Right. And thus if, if they if you didn't have the call if you didn't have the preemptive like rule setting, the story wouldn't land as well. Right. I have either of you seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No. No. Okay, Ugh. you both would literally love it, except it isn't French, so you have to read the whole thing. But maybe that's just me that wouldn't like that. Um, <laughs> but they talk about... Um, ugh, it's so good. They talk about the story of Orpheus. And 
one of the characters suggests that maybe he looked back on purpose um, because that would like, because it would make for a different story than if he had not looked back. Um, anyway. Yeah. Lots of different things that our characters can want to do in the story. I really asked if you've seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire because I actually wanted to ask if either of you have seen Arrival because I know Noah has and that Kenyon should. <laughs> Arrival is good. Wouldn't Kenyon love it? Yes. I mean, I so, think anyone would love it. But like, Kenyon, you would be obsessed with Arrival. Like, obsessed. Give, give me like, without plot. Give me without plot. What about me? Kenyon says arrival. Mystery. <laughs> I would say um, you're gay and Amy Adams is the lead role in it. Ooh, also that. Very compelling. Um, also, uh, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> aliens. Also, like, language and communication. Wow. And, like, new forms of communicating. That actually is very big for me. <laughs> you have to watch it. It's literally so good. Okay. I'll put it on my list of things to do. Very long list. Very big list. Mm. Huge list. Mm. Things to do. The it's a very list. good movie. I saw it in theaters back when theaters were a thing. Remember theaters? Do you all remember the last movie you saw in theaters? Yeah. Parasite. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Mine was uh, mine was definitely Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> Ooh. which is unfortunate. Ooh, that's why we have coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, mine might have been Little Women. Ooh. Oh, back to back to you, Noah. Oh me? Oh who? Um, oh my creative childhood. If you had more on that, you said you wanted to be a painter. But you didn't paint. I Isn't that funny about, I mean, I don't say this to be trite. But isn't that funny about, like, dreams and, like, wanting to do things that you've done? Like, there was a while when I was a child when I wanted Ooh. to be a pilot for no reason at all. I wasn't even, like, interested in planes. I kind of just wanted to be the one to fly. I don't even think I wanted to, like, do the flying of the plane. I just wanted to say that I was mm -hmm. a pilot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I thought I was going to be a sports <gasps> star. Basketball track. I my dream was to be. You all know Marion Jones, famous no. women's runner. No, okay. oh that's cool though. Um, I was like, like Dad, I'm gonna grow to be faster than Marion Jones. Like that is that like was oh, wow. the, this thing to say for me. Um, <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, this just shows. Oh no. well, yes, we know that. <laughs> this just shows that we are conditioned to aspire but also conditioned to want to do labor oh <laughs> and we're back to what i came on this podcast to disseminate my manifesto wow. <laughs> i wrote it <laughs> um no what is the first thing that you wrote that you were like, this is good. Or rather, what is... No, I, I'm changing the question. What is the oldest thing you wrote that you still think okay, is Okay, that's good. That's a good question. So I wrote a lot of... So I am famously Jewish. Um, 
as was said at the beginning of the podcast, but then my Judaism was uh, questioned because I haven't seen a movie. So that's just something to put into the atmosphere. But the movie is <laughs> Yentl. So I think that I'm also should... The record, I didn't question anything. <laughs> it was all Jerome. I also would say Woo. it's not a question. <laughs> and with that, I'm done. I've um, ceased anyway, this bit. <laughs> so I am famously Jewish. So I wrote a lot of Purim plays. Um, which are famously, mm. oh God, gotta stop saying famously. I've been saying that quite a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Purim plays, the plot is kind of already laid out. It's the story of Purim about how this guy wanted to kill all the Jews. Big surprise. Oh um, and this one woman, um, Esther, basically lied about being Jewish but also kind of didn't lie, but no, she lied, about being Jewish, married the king, um, and then saves all the Jews. And then, so basically, knowing that plot, and there's like a whole lot of other stuff going on, but I, as, you know, I guess third, fourth, fifth grade, um, I would write plays that followed that form, but would take on many different, like, framings. So, like, one year I wrote, you know, it's a... It's a zoo, and all the animals are acting out the, the the story of Purim, and like the king is a lion, and like the Esther is a peacock. Very animal farm. Very very stereotype. Very stereotyping of animals, um, placing them in boxes based on the culture's <laughs> understanding of them. Um, I'm gonna sound so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't sound annoying. You sound Hot. Wow, wow. Well, that's the gay voice for you. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, Kenyon, you're an Esther queen. I love Esther through VeggieTales. That's my entrance to Esther. The story of Esther is like through VeggieTales. Grew up watching VeggieTales. Shout out to Bob the Tomato and Larry the, the Cucumber. If you're listening, I'm still big fans. Wow, wow. Still a Important. big fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you contain all Thank you. <laughs> and you are big fans. Um, Perm yeah, so I wrote I wrote another where um, this kid was in synagogue and daydreaming about the Purim play. So that one, I think, is actually that, that one holds up. I think it is funny to adults. Um, and like, basically, you know, like, he's, it's called Leo's Purim dream. I had I had a big thing for the name Leo as a child. I played Leo in the Purim play. Um, oh. And basically, you know, there's a whole moment where he's like, okay, I'm bored with my daydream. Now everyone's old. Um, and like, he like gives everyone a cane and they are like, you know, oh, I my, my hearing aid is on the fritz. I didn't hear you. Are you Jewish? And she, you know, says like, yes. And he's like, no, I couldn't hear you. And then they get married. Um, that is funny. <laughs> thanks. Um, there's a, another moment back then where I was like, okay, and now we're going to switch everyone's gender. And so then Ooh. it's a queen and, uh, you know, they, all that. And of course I was like, very fond of that moment. <laughs> I found that fun. Um, yeah, so so that's that's something that I think still kind of holds up. But kind of, I mean, that was kind of laid out for me plot-wise. Um, now I think about, you know, short plays I've written, like when I was in high school, that I still, I still think are really good. Um, 
that that are just kind of like, oh yeah, I wrote that. Is humor something that like for you is important in your writing? Oh heck yes. I think that every <laughs> Rock play... on. <laughs> heck yes, heck what? Yes. <laughs> Rock on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um I do think that humor is really important. I think that every play has a joke in it. That I that I learned from a playwriting professor at Yale. Um Deb Margolin, if you're listening, I owe quite a lot to you, and you're incredible. Um, every jo- every play has a joke. Every play has humor in it. If it doesn't, then I would be bored. Um, even if it's a sad play, even if it's like a devastating play, there is a moment to laugh. I, or at least for me, I would like there to be one. Um, and even in a funny play, there has to be something that's like... not so funny. Like gut-wrenchingly sad. Like perhaps the death of a child. <laughs> well, I was gonna say. So I, I've talked about this before on the podcast that we wrote a show. I don't know that we've ever talked about the plot. Ooh. <laughs> um, you, I think I think on your episode you did say that the son is dead. Right. So it is a a musical that takes place over the course of three years. Um, the year after a family son has died, the year before it happens, and then the year that he dies on his birthday. Um, Which is so, so awful. I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) We always have these moments. Noah and I will be, like, working on it, or not working on it, and just text each other, like, can you believe we wrote a show that is so sad? Like, why is it so sad? Like, so, like... How dare you? <laughs> How way. dare us? Why did you keep it that way? We did. Well, because we had well, like, started writing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, what's in another turn of it is that we wrote it, and then it was Kenyon. You remember you were there. Kenyon was in the first the first night that it was done in front of people. Um, and the audience is just laughing, laughing, <laughs> la- like they could not stop laughing at literally everything that happened. Um, <laughs> which I don't think we did on purpose at the time. This often happens with stuff I write, not to like, not to like super be conceited, but typically <laughs> what happens is I write something and I'm like, this is like, you know, just like conversation. This is like, you know, maybe funny to me or like a way of talking that is like somewhat ridiculous. And then. And then people find it, like, very funny. I think that also has to do with delivery and timing and pacing. Um, and that is on the director and actors, so it's not all me. But <laughs> but um, I, do, I, I do find, typically, that um, stuff that I did not immediately, or it, stuff that I did not intend originally to be, like, really, really funny ends up playing well with audiences, which I am very grateful for. Yeah, I mean, I don't... You know, it's not a show that is, like, chock full of jokes. Right, right. Like, there, I can only think of, like, a couple moments that are, like, and we're setting up for a punchline. Exactly. Um, but it is, like, funny, mm-hmm. the way that, you know, people talk to each other, and it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Talk about your collaborative process, the two of you. I think... I think, at least for me, I should speak for myself. Um, like, you know, collaboration sometimes is like a like that like black box, like black hole of like 
okay, I'm just trying to get good at doing this thing on my, on my own. Like, how do I invite someone else into this thing that I, I'm also working on? Like ha- being creative, what? Um, I would love to hear what it looks like for the two of you to have taken this idea from, you know, a very sad idea to a, you know, a real play <laughs> with people reading real lines um, and audiences laughing real laughs. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I think that, um... and that's our collaborative <laughs> process, everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's very similar to mine and Jerome. Not, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, I wonder what makes them the same. Um, I often think about um, here. Are you ready for your real? complimentary intro now i am i often think about <laughs> i often think about how i like you know we were in dukes together and spent time together and liked a lot of things in common and you wrote plays and i wrote music and both liked musicals and i was like oh my god we should write a musical together but the fact that like we still are doing that years later i think is a testament to like you are a person that I genuinely enjoy working with that I think I I think we work really well together that we make good stuff together. I just think of like, you know, the number of people I know who were like, "Oh yeah, I was kind of like working with this person on this one thing." Which is cool. Sometimes you work with someone on something and it happens and it's just like a short thing that you make together and then move on. Sometimes you work on something with someone and you get a lot out of it, but you don't like make a final thing. Um, but I feel like, I mean, you are like a writing partner of yeah, mine. Yeah, you know? collaborating. Like we really like do be collaborating together. Yeah. Um, and so I think, so I mean, I would love to hear more from you about how you think it works, but I would just like to say that it does work. Wow. It do be working for that me. That is very sweet and kind and true. <laughs> I feel very, 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 very similarly. Like, but not exactly the same. No, um, I do feel like, <laughs> no, you are absolutely, you know, my writing partner, which I think is honestly like very rare um, and very mm-hmm. like, very much a a cool, wonderful, beautiful thing. Like, I have never written a musical um, other than the one that Jerome and I wrote, which I, and also have never taken a class about writing musicals, never have, like, tried my hand at it. And, and of course, like, a lot of structural stuff um, in the show that we wrote, like, is definitely, like, not the same as, like, a typical traditional musical, which I think is kind of sick. And also, like something that belies the fact that I have never structured a musical before. Um, (laughs) But that's okay, you know? Like, I think that we work really well together in that, like, at least right now in the, like, rewriting process, like, I feel like we are deaf... Like, when we were writing it... Okay, I have switched timelines, like, eight times, but they will all come together. (laughs) When we were writing it for the first time, we were kind of under a deadline, and it was, like... And by kind of, I mean we were uh, we under were. a deadline, um, <laughs> which was Jerome's graduation from college. Um, and so we were kind of just like, okay, yeah, like, just like, okay, a song goes here, a song goes here, write what goes in between, and like, we'll fit it all together. And we did that, and it went really well. Um, and like, and I think that, you know, Jerome gave me a couple of really great 
lines or like ideas for lines and also lines. And, and that was like a great way of, um, of collaborating. Cause it was like, something goes here. Like, what do you think goes here? And you said, like you, Jerome said <laughs> yeah not Kenyon it was not Kenyon <laughs> <laughs> Kenyon didn't contribute at all throughout any of this time <laughs> that's not even exactly true. I'm so sorry <laughs> um slander and Jerome <laughs> and Jerome would say here like I think this could go right here and I'm like oh absolutely and so that was like a real wonderful thing for me just just in that like I was able to scaffold some stuff and then like fit it all together now in the like rewriting process i feel like we have a lot more flexibility a lot more time to like talk to each other about like what we really want to see and what we like agree that we want to see and that's really cool because we we this is honestly kind of like the perm play we have the plot like we know what's going to be happening and now we can frame it in different ways really cool stuff there and so like you know, with songs now, I feel like there's a lot more time to, like, go in and be like, okay, like, what do we want to be hearing here? And, like, I feel like it, I have a bit more of a insight into, a bit more of an insight into Jerome's, um, you know, music writing process than I did under the deadline. Um, and, of course, I have been fucking slacking off on my writing duties. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when that comes around again, <laughs> um... I will be very excited to, you know, feel Jerome in that space as well. It's really cool to be able to like share that that creativity with someone on on this on a this and many projects, right? Like it's like a cool, cool. What does that mean? It's a meaningful thing. It's it's like a a real um, collaboration sharing. Uh, you know, breaking bread together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I something that Sophia said when she was on the podcast was that, and I want to ask you, mm. Noah, more about this yourself, um, but we asked her, like, okay, when you, like, do you have a practice or do, do you have a thing that you do every time or is there a way that you get into it every time or what happens when you get to writer's block and how do you kickstart it again? And she just was like, I mm. know that I have written a song before. And so if I figured it out before, I can figure it out again. <laughs> like if I've done, like I've done this a couple of times. And so if I can do it again, then I can do it again. And I similarly feel like, you know, if we ever feel like, oh no, okay, well, how are we going to figure this out? Or how are we going to whatever? It's like every problem that we have had with the plot or with, you know, we need this person to be offstage so these people can be alone together, which is most of the problems we have in the show. Um, Well, that's also different because that's my fault because I hate having (laughs) scenes, which is my my own (laughs) issue that I'm really trying to break. Anyway, sorry. I want to talk about that in a second because I think that's so important. But it's, you know, we've come up with some solution for it already. Mm. So it's like we just have to keep shaking the tree and find the next solution. Um, I think because the... The show almost, like, I kind of said this last time, but the show kind of, like, it's almost like a Petri dish show. Like, there's a lot in it that's, like, stuff that was happening to me and stuff that was happening to Noah. And we were like, okay, this feels like a great way to funnel these emotions because even though, you know, the plot of the show did not happen to either of us, it's not something we've either experienced 
in I don't want to say in the same way, like neither of us have had a sibling die, but um, a lot of the things that it deals with is stuff that we have dealt with. And so like our questions that we were trying to answer. Um, but originally it kind of was like, I mean, Noah, you were talking about, okay, well, like we knew that a play had to be, it couldn't just be sad and it couldn't just be happy. We knew we wanted something that was really like, sad and somber while also like making people laugh and like also was really enjoyable. Um, I constantly am having these like theoretical ideas about musicals and how can a musical be built in a different way? And what if we don't just do the same two act structure? Like what if we do something different? What if we play with time? Look at these shows that have played with time Mm -hmm. in the past. And so like putting all those things together was almost as you know, essential to creating the plot as like, oh, we're going to come up with a really good story. Like the story in a lot of ways was like, okay, this is a way that we can do some of these structures. For instance, Noah, you were like, oh, I've never written a play that has scenes before. All of my plays are like one big long, like we're looking at this room for the next hour and a half and like, let's see what happens in this room. And so it was like, okay, well, let's write a show that does that. So it's three big acts that like don't have any scene breaks it just all is like these three dinner parties um and so there are a lot of ways that it's like okay we had to come up with something that like checks these boxes of what we know we can do or what we know we want to do um and then like filling in the rest and that sounds like so much like fun creative problem solving fun working with constraints and like the puzzle of getting something that will fit both yeah. of you and also the story and emotions that you're trying to portray. Um, I'm curious, like, are there are there moments in the process when the the problem's not a creative problem, but it's like a collaborative disagreement? Um, like things that's like I guess the question, not to beat around the bush, is like how do you, what do you do when when you're like, well, I think this should happen. And I think the opposite of that should happen. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> Then what? Like, I don't know if you've had mm. those moments of like <laughs> of, of more direct conflict, or if those have are not in don't even come into kind of your process for some reason. I don't know. We don't have very many disagreements. I would say, I I feel like if we ever are not on the same page about like what should happen or what a thing should be, then we just keep working on it. Yeah. Like we keep working on it until we both feel good about what did what right. is there. For example, I mean, like Jerome is working on this song, and the bridge was getting reworked, and I was like, "This doesn't sound right to me." Like this doesn't like I think there's work to be done. And then you know he's still working on it. Jerome, <laughs> 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 I guess so. No, I, that was so <laughs> bad of me to I, say. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> No, I talked about this the last time that I like, sometimes I just need to st- stop working mm. on something. <laughs> like I can like really try to throw my brain at it for a while and then it not, it just isn't happening. And so I just have to take time away from it. And so there was like a good like two weeks that I really was trying to figure out the bridge to that song and like really trying a lot of like, okay, I'm going to try a different thing. Yeah. I'm going to try a different thing. I'm going to make a different demo. Like I'm going to try to put it together and now I haven't looked at it in like a month because I'm like, I, I, it wasn't working. So maybe now if I go back and look at it, mm. something different will come out. Time can be um, good. Noah, how do you like, 
when you hit like a roadblock, what do you do? When you hit like <laughs> writer's block, what do you do? Famously, writer's block. Yeah. Named for writers. So this is actually a great question because that's where I'm at right now. Like I feel very blocked currently, creatively. Um, I feel I feel a lot of like difficulty surrounding like really battening down the hatches and writing. Like I am I am lucky enough to be writing a number of things at once. Um, I'm writing with Jerome, which is a blessing. I am writing, or I have been asked to write a play for my middle school, um, which I am very excited about and yet have not fully started yet because I just don't know what I want to say. And then also eventually I think I will be writing a play for my thesis when I graduate. And so that will be its own animal, right? So like, I have a lot of these projects that I'm like really excited to be doing, but I cannot find the way in yet. And so in terms of writing block, I, I, I know what I have been taught, which is to be writing anyway. Um, Hmm. And that, that will eventually bring you into kind of a real, you know, flow. Luckily I have a writing practice, which is that I write in my journal every night. I, think that that is like really good for me I write every single day and it is typically very boring it is typically like today I had tofu and broccoli and and some rice for dinner and that was delicious and uh I was on this podcast with my two good friends and that was fun very boring 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 <laughs> stuff in my journal um <laughs> Do you ever go back and read it? Oh, I have. It uh, and that's sometimes very good and sometimes rough. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've been doing it every day since um the summer before my senior year of high school. So it's been wow. like four years of every day um journaling, which is kind of really you know a milestone and cool and like you know woohoo. Um, <laughs> but. um so that so so that's like a cool thing that i or i keep saying fucking cool bitch do you swear on this podcast (laughs) it's a good question i yeah i'd swear like a fucking sailor but i've been trying not to on the podcast because i teach students a lot um and kenyan just Swears sure. less, so ne- it seems like we don't swear on the podcast. But I'm really yeah, no, that's it's, fine. I can, know, I can. Also, I, I don't think I've been swearing much. No, say you say whatever you oh. want. Wow, glory be. Kenny, do you have any comment? <laughs> He's got nothing to say. Please continue. Love that. <laughs> um, so anyway, writing's writer's block. Writer's block sucks for sure. It's definitely like <laughs> absolutely not what I wish to have um though though I feel I think I feel myself coming out of it in some ways I think I'm starting to like get a get a handle on what I'm trying to like say um hopefully um and so that I think I think a big thing is just like knowing what I want to be putting into the world as like a way of making art right like I have so many scenes of like, ooh, that's a good idea for a scene. I'm just going to like write it. And then it ends up turning into like blather because there isn't actually anything behind it. It's just like a cool premise Um, because I love coming up with premises. I have like a whole list in my phone of like 
fun quips and tidbits and like, ooh, some character someday is going to say like, did you know that dog years actually aren't like that? It's not just seven years per year. Like, random stuff like that. Um, but like, so so that's also sometimes what I turn to if I am feeling like particularly blocked. I'm like, okay, like what did I, what, what's something that I can use to write something right now um, and go in there and see like something, something fun and random. But, you know, I remember in high school, like, not having writer's block at all, like sitting down at the dining room table at like midnight, which was late for me, still is. Um, and, <laughs> um, and, and like writing some random thing about a guy who does, actually, this is a good segue. Um, but in, in, in senior year, I had to write a solo piece. I got to write, not had to write. I got to write a solo piece um, for theater company, um, which was this all senior class that I was in where at the end everyone performs a solo performance. It's like 10 minutes. So I was like trying to like figure out what my idea was going to be. And I, I would like write all sorts of stuff at like in the middle of the night. And one of them was about this guy whose husband died. Oof. Who knew what I was thinking about when I was 17? Um, <laughs> this guy whose husband died and he had started to take on a drag persona um, named Barb, and he started baking pies like strawberry rhubarb pie, and kind of con- uh, obsessively, compulsively, obsessively baking. And like, I don't know what that was. Like, that is not a plot. Like, there is no reason for any of those things to be connected to one another. And yet, as a senior in high school, I was like, oh, this is my solo piece. It did not turn out to be my solo piece. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah. Well, I feel like you're all, I, we don't, we can cut this out if you want to cut this out, but you were like writing a play, I guess last year about like this, like family and someone dies and there's a greenhouse and they're smoking weed and like someone is secretly a lesbian. Like that there's all this like stuff going on. Like, I I think that that's great. I think I love the idea of like, let's, like blow this throw up. together a right. wild so premise. I think I think yeah. that is honestly something I'm realizing even in talking about this is that like I'm obsessed with premises. I find them so compelling. I love like world building in my head and and like being like okay like here's what's going to happen. I love being like here's what's going to happen and then I try writing it and it's like uh, uh this is actually really interesting because yes, I wrote a play. I wrote a play that was going to be about a uh a woman, a woman in her, you know, late sixties with cancer, whose son moves into her house to take care of her with his girlfriend, and then his mom and his girlfriend falling in love. Insane premise. Like, there's almost no way to make that like, com- like, actually happen. That is very difficult for someone, anyone to do to <laughs> someone they love, right? And so. Like, yeah. I don't know where, and, and then of course, on top of all of this, they're fixing up a greenhouse so they can grow weed in it. Like, what? And then also, the next <laughs> semester, I started a play about a world in which, um, and by world, I mean like a country in which there is, there is no religion and sex work is legal, but um, a pillar of salt falls from the sky into this gay couple's kitchen while they're making dinner and it starts speaking words from the Bible, and they don't know what the words are because they don't know what religion is. And so that was like, 
you know, a, a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife. And I was like, oh, yes, this is like my magnum opus. Like, this is about, <laughs> like, shame. This is about, like, destroying the the pillars of shame, right? And it completely fell apart. I did, like, again, another, like, really, like, I think it's interesting premise. Like, a pillar of salt falls from the sky. Yeah. What? What do you mean? Like, you have to explain <laughs> that to people, but you can't. And so that's, like, that's something that, like, sometimes frustrates me about my writing is that, like, I'm I'm so interested in making almost, like, the most outlandish thing happen only for it to kind of, mm-hmm. like, slip through my fingers, which has happened a couple of times. Well, I know that the segue was supposed to be you know, rhubarb into drag. But we'll get there. Um, Love it. The drag scene. <laughs> but, like, I'm I'm curious, as you're talking about, like, premises and talking about, like, what you love and what comes easy, like, the, the parts of creative, mm. like, creativity that come easy to you in, in, in the world-building side of things, like, why, why plays and why mm. words? Wow, what a great question. Oh, what a great question. Okay, so another thing that Deb Margolin says is that um, language fails us every day. Um, that the the best part about writing a play is what isn't said. Um, and mm-hmm. like the, the, I mean, subtext is like a huge thing in, in playwriting. Like a, a character saying, I love you to someone when actually they want to murder them is like great drama. I mean, like that is like, the definition yeah. of like drama, yeah. honey. Okay, <laughs> so like, so language for me in that way of like the failure of it, right? Like I, I am sitting here like typing away at my computer, failing but succeeding. Like that is mind blowing. Like that's crazy. Like, like language will never fully <laughs> be able to express the way that I feel. Language will never, like, and that's what I also admire so much about music, which I would love to hear you guys talk about as well, even though I know I'm the guest on the podcast, but, like, music for me, like, I love listening to music, I love, like, you know, making stuff rhyme, but I don't, I I can't, I have never been able to, like, really write music, um, I've never been able to, like, be like, oh, yes, these chords and these notes will make a song and it will express what I'm feeling, but when I can have a character, like, <laughs> when I can have a character, like, say something the way that, like, maybe I I wish I could say it or the way that I hear it in my head and, like, want to say or or maybe, like, can't say, I don't know. When I can have a character just, like, say words, that's, like, a piece of me for sure. I mean, every character has a piece of you in it, right? But, um, like... When I the 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 beauty of of dialogue and the beauty of language to me in 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 plays specifically because it's this like exchange and because it's like real life quote unquote and I can get into a whole thing about real life that's another reason why I don't like scenes but I do like scenes now but I also used to hate scenes because I was like well that's gonna let the audience know that it's not real <laughs> which is absurd. <laughs> um, but <laughs> like I, I, I still to this day have like a very like large um, aversion to blackouts and like scene change time because I'm like, what's going to fill that space? The audience is just going to be like sitting there watching nothing. Like I don't like that. Well, I feel like that's so, 
I feel like there's so much. I said this when Kenyon asked about like the type of music that I try to write in musical theater, and no, you've been saying mm. this over and over again that like. I feel like theater now is moving into this like mm-hmm. hyper realism, like like this is your life on except stage. when these are real people. Oh, sorry. Except <laughs> when a giant pillar of salt falls into your kitchen. But <laughs> you mean that hasn't happened. <laughs> That's why I love that. <laughs> That's why I love that. Um, but like you know that theater has you know it's not cats it's not into mm, the woods mm. it's not sunday in the park with george right. it's like it's not the whiz like there's there were so many decades when musical theater was like now fantastical. something fantastic is going to happen even like you know something like oklahoma or showboat or you go back to like og musical theater <laughs> that still was like you know and each character is, I mean, to talk about fable, like it's mm. like each person, it's, they aren't real people. They are like very specific stylized yeah. characters. Um, and I feel like theater right now, or at least the type of theater <laughs> that I feel like I'm participating in with other people. Which of course is dead um, because there's no theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Famously theater is dead. Um, yeah. uh, is about like, I want to create the real, the hyper real thing. And so it becomes like, I can't write anything that someone wouldn't actually say. And also like, you know, people don't live their lives in scenes right. or do they? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something or do they? but like people don't say, and that is all I have to say to you until I will see right, you next right. Tuesday. Well, <laughs> every like, night we have a full blackout for hours. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that um, I think that theater is like definitely in a much more like watch real life, and I I'm curious about yeah. like what about that is so appealing to me as a writer and also to audiences. Like, I also love watching so- or reading something that is like fantastical and fun and like out of this world, right? Because that takes me out of my world. But perhaps. Mm-hmm we like seeing something that is realistic to remind us of, I'm making this up as I say it, remind us of (laughs) the parts of our lives that we cling to, the parts of our lives that we want to see, the parts of our lives that like we enjoy or not enjoy. And we like seeing it to happen to someone else. I mean, there's something Greek there. There's something Greek about, you know, tragedy. It's like, ah, you're not that guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's, why do we watch TV? Why do we watch movies? Why do we like? Why do we spend time entertain ourselves? And not just entertain life is ourselves. A prison. In... <laughs> I mean, there certainly is like you know what is the point of entertainment? Talking about fables again, like there is a part of it that's like mm. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about how you should be living your life or whatever. And so I'm like here to give you a didactic message. Um, and that often is part of it. And sometimes it's about like, okay, I need to escape. So I'm going to read Harry Potter. I'm going to read, you know, Romeo and Juliet or whatever. Um, or that wasn't a good example. I'm going to read Midsummer Night's Dream or The Tempest mm. or, you know, something with magic in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's something about like, there's something human Blah blah blah. <laughs> Had to ruin the <laughs> sincerity. Um, but there's so much <laughs> human about like, you know, why do we read people's biographies? Like, why do we read things that like 
you know, are made up. You can do, you can make anything in the world happen to these characters and the only things that happen, or you can make anything in the world or not in the world happen to these characters. And yet we just read about like lives that are like our lives, but aren't real. (laughs) Like, you know, what's up with that? My take on it is like the kind of isolation of, of this age um, and reading mm. things that remind yeah. ourselves that there are other people like us um, is really comforting yep. because I think we're suffering through a kind of hyper-isolated time. Yeah. And I, and perhaps that is reminding us that like being physically close to one another did not make us actually close to one another. Very true. Deeply true. How about that? Absolutely. Mm. So drag, you know, like, tell me about it. <laughs> did you ever decide on a name before we really get into it? I did. It is not being revealed yet because I have a very specific post to make about it that oh, I haven't drama. fully... I, I haven't fully written it out yet. And so, like, I can't post it. And so I can't have a name. But I do have a name. Um, explain the drag project. So I... Um, started watching Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race, that is. <laughs> Who's? RuPaul. You know him? belongs to her. <laughs> Wait, do you want to hear? I'm stealing this joke from, uh, Willem told this at a hater's Oh my post. god, yes. Um, knock knock. Who's there? RuPaul. RuPaul who? You're so shady. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Thank you, Willow. RuPaul who? <laughs> RuPaul who? Um, so you started watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Who told you to do that? Oh, I honestly just can't remember. I just, like, at the end. Word. Can we go back and do that again? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is staying in. I didn't like that answer. I didn't like that answer. Um, okay, so I started watching Drag Race at the at the begging and pleading and 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 supplicating of my good friend Jerome Walker. He begged me to watch it. Okay, and finally I said, "Look, you know, just to shut you up, I will start watching this random show I've never ever heard of." Work. And I started watching Drag Race in on December twenty sixth. 2018, and then I watched 14 and a half seasons of it in less than four months, which is <laughs> actively bad. Um, and Right, this also is when we were writing a show. Oh, right, right, right. We were <laughs> writing the musical we were talking about earlier. We were writing that while I was watching all that Drag Race. And going to so, school, right? Oh. No. Uh, oh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Answers no. <laughs> great, great, great. I did actually go to all my classes, but um, I, I was only in eight hours of class a week. Um, and so that left quite a lot of time for, I cannot imagine doing something for eight hours a week. Oh, that's just so little time. No. Oh, <laughs> what? I mean, I can't imagine doing like actually do it. Like that's my life now. My life is, yeah, I do stuff for more than eight hours a week. I'm on my phone for more, more than eight hours a day. I can't imagine like <laughs> actually showing up to do some sort of work with others That's for so eight hours a week. <laughs> That's where my life is yeah. in October of quarantine. Woof. 
Ugh, gross. Anyway, I watched all this Drag Race, and that was really exciting because it was this, like, whole new, like, world of culture um, that just, like, completely opened this floodgate of interest for me. Like, it was just like, wow, cannot believe that this is something that, like, people do and do so well. So when I was thinking about this summer... I was thinking about, okay, like, what do I want to do? And there was this wonderful um, fellowship that was brought to my attention. Um, Yale is an incredible place, for the most part, with um, really cool opportunities sometimes. And my residential college had a fellowship for juniors to do something during the summer that was completely unrelated to their studies. Um, And I looked at that and I said, whoa, wouldn't it be crazy if I could get funding to learn the art of drag? And I applied and I was not expecting to get it because, you know, other projects have been like, I am going to interview my family who immigrated here and have been creating a life. And like, I am a first gen student. And that is like an absolutely wonderful project and like is also academic in form. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) I said, I want makeup. And they said, yeah. And so <laughs> go off, bitch. <laughs> That's what they said. They said, come on, sis, do some yes, makeup. queen. Yeah. And also, I said, beat the, that best, the best part of it also is that this is the class of 1956, um, which, like, is incredible that they gave me money to do drag. Like, yeah, they're I, so old. Anyway, so they gave me money. And then uh, coronavirus happened. Um, and so what I ended up, so my original plan was to kind of be going into New York and like either singing as a drag queen or like trying to like be in clubs and like get like a real understanding of what that life is like. Um, and like what it means to be a performer who is not like an actor, like that's so new to me. Right. Um, Hmm. and so then of course, like everything that I had kind of planned was kind of just like not a thing anymore. And that's like valid. I didn't want to be going to clubs during coronavirus anyway. So that's fine. Um, and so what I ended up doing was I ended up um, honing my makeup skills. And by honing, I mean starting. Like, like <laughs> I had no makeup skills. I have, I've never done makeup on I had never done makeup on myself. I had never done makeup on anybody else. I had never had an interest in makeup. I find it kind of gross on your skin. Like, it, it doesn't actually uh, feel all that good to be in makeup. It's kind of cakey and heavy and clogging of your pores and you can't like function can't i don't know i can't like scratch my nose that's like a wild annoying thing i can't take a sip of water without leaving lipstick on it like gross um but (laughs) um (laughs) gross uh (laughs) but what was i saying oh so i was just going to like do makeup like it was like okay i want to get good at makeup and so what ended up happening was I got a lot of makeup, um, bought it from Walgreens and CVS and Target. Um, great places for, you know, kind of cheap, easy makeup. If you guys want a list of all the makeup I got, you can go to Nowhere. I have not published that information. Um, <laughs> and I have no tutorials. So that's for you. Um, if you would like the list, uh, you should follow the doll on Instagram at well, Noah Does Drag and then pester him in the DMs. Now that is the true truth of it all. So, so basically I was starting to do makeup. I, my mom and my sister were very kind and they offered 
slash I told them and asked them and begged them. And then they also said yes to take pictures of me. So they took a lot of um, pictures of me in drag. I have, you know, a bunch of great photos from them. And then also the best part was that I found all of these costumes, outfits, gowns, dresses, looks that my grandmothers had worn that my family had saved in our house for years with kind of like no real reason. And so I had all of these outfits to try on and like feel how they felt. Um, and that was great. And like that, and, and then eventually I got, you know, better at makeup. I started experimenting more um, and like really found a groove of like, okay, this is how I do my makeup, which I love now. I mean, I have to say that I haven't done makeup in a while. I want to go back to it so badly. It is like something that I am like yearning for in such a huge way. And when I have time, I will absolutely be like diving into all of this makeup that I got. It is in this giant 12 gallon box, this plastic box in my room. I have all of this makeup, all these wigs. I brought some dresses from home and I'm going to do drag sometime soon. Um, and I can't wait, but before then I will, you know, I will sit patiently, but I do, I, it, it was really fun to explore this, like, you know, new, new skill and new side of me, right? Like I, as a child, uh, ran around in dresses all the time, loved me a good dress. And then, you know, as time progressed, uh, fell out of that habit mostly because of conditioning and social pressure um and and then capitalism the family unit etc exact all of those things contributed um kind of and um though my family has always been very very accepting and very wonderful and i thank them wholeheartedly for that um it, it's been really great to explore kind of like a new gender side for myself and also a new um, a new skill. Literally, the first time I did my makeup, I was exhausted and it looked garbage, okay? But it was because I was literally like forming new neural pa neural pathways in my brain. Yeah. Like, I had yeah. never moved my hand to my face like that in my life. And so I was like, okay, this is how you do this. And then I slowly and then kind of all at once kind of figured out, oh, okay, here's how it goes. Also, I had a lot of help I had a lot of help from the internet. The internet is amazing for some things and really bad for other things, but this is one thing that it's actually good for. Um, Kenyon, have you tried it? The internet? What is it called? Internet. The internet. Okay, the, the internet. Dot com. The, inter the internet. Internet, like capital I. Great. Internet. Internet. Great. Like Wait, a web. Double T-E. Internet. Uh, internet. Close. No, 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 no. You'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, I'll... I'll I'll look it up. I'll go to the library. I'll, go, I'll look it up. That's good. That's good. Go to the library. Um, hey, kids, go to the library. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the title of the episode. <laughs> hey, kids, go to the library. Um, you glue down your brows, right? I do glue down my brows. My only question is how long does it take for it to dry? And do how many layers of glue do you do? It's a great question. I... <sighs> <laughs> it's so funny. I should be able to say four, but I can't. Um, <laughs> like, it doesn't take that long to dry. Sometimes I, I bring a fan to my face and I just let it dry. But um, yeah, I do, I do about four layers of glue on my brows. So first I go against the grain. Then I go 
with the grain, then I push all the hairs up using a little spoolie, then I add, then I let it dry, right? And then I add another layer, another layer, and then another layer. It's I think what I do. Um, Work. And sometimes I do a bit more, sometimes I do a bit less, and when I do less, it always goes poorly because my brows are kind of thick and they will come through. But um, I eventually got decent enough at gluing my brows down that it that it works. And I have this huge 18 glue stick pack from Staples that I have barely <laughs> cracked into um, that has all of these good glue sticks for this purpose. Wow, we just got the full drag download. Um, and I love it. I love that this is like... I love that this is part of your life. I do too. I really do think that it is like something that I am so like happy and and proud of really. Like also if you do look at my Instagram, which I do encourage you to because I think it's kind of cool. I did decide to make an Instagram because I want, I, I was sending all of these photos to all of my friends um, on like a text messaging service that's called iMessage. I don't know why I said a text messaging <laughs> service. Can uh, I look that up on the internet? Yeah, it, it has to do with the internet. <laughs> okay. Canyon. I don't okay. know if you've heard of um, it. I was like, okay, I'm either going to make a newsletter or I'm going to make an Instagram. And I had never made an Instagram before because I think that it is not good for me, but that's okay. Um, and I made an Instagram and then I had this idea to, um, to, use the and by had this idea i mean stole this idea <laughs> um you mean you were inspired yes by... i was inspired by other queens who had done a similar thing where they take pictures in um in every color of the rainbow in outfits of every color of the rainbow with colorful makeup and it's a blast and then when you look at the instagram it makes a rainbow and i did that um i had a really great time planning that it i ended up finding all of these outfits that um that belonged to my grandmothers or that were around my house. I did not buy a single piece of clothing, which I found kind of fun and thrifty. Um, or not thrifty, but like, you know, recycly. Um, and yeah. and um, and I made this really cool product that, um, that ended with a lip sync um, to Somewhere Over the Rainbow by one Miss Judy Garland, if we're talking about divas. Except actually, is she a diva? <laughs> Absolutely. Of okay. course. Well, I feel like what I was gonna why say, wouldn't she be a diva? I was gonna say this back when we were talking about divas. I think that the most telling part of the question is actually who you mm. define as a diva and who you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that, I would say Lady Gaga. That oh, Lady Gaga is a diva though. I I also aspire to be Lady Gaga. Let's just put that out there. How can you be like? Maybe Judy Garland is a diva, but Gaga is one hundred percent like. Well, diva. Well, I sometimes diva has this like negative connotation to it. And I don't think of Judy Garland as having, like, you know, diva-esque behavior that's, like... Ooh, well, girl. I mean, not to shit on Judy. Well, oh, was she? I love Judy. I love Judy, too. I, I think... <laughs> I sometimes think of Judy and I get sad because I'm, like, she was fully taken advantage of. Well, that's true. But I still think she was a diva. Okay. You've got to watch her A Star is Born. Uh, I fully do. And you'll say she is okay. the diva. She's a diva. Then in that case, I also aspire to be Judy Garland. I just aspire to be a diva. That's my drag name. A diva. A diva Menzel. That's actually really good. That's a great A diva. A diva Menzel. I love that. A diva. I love that. That's not my drag name, though. Penny, do you have a drag name? I think I just made it. <laughs> I think you did, too. That's pretty sick. <laughs> that is so funny. I, you're talking about 
I want to hear more about the grandmother's clothing of it all, mm. if there's more behind that. Um, especially, like, as this relates to, as drag relates to, like, your sense of inspiration, like, mm. just creatively in general. Like, yeah, is it, I, does it, how does it fuel you in whatever way? Oh, great question. God, Kenyon with the questions. Jerome's over here talking about, I don't know, but Kenyon has the just questions. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Kenyon has the questions. Kenyon has the questions. Maybe that should be the name of the podcast. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I asked you if you glued your brows down. <laughs> okay. Very important. Very, very. And Kenyon asked you about your family lineage and your inspirations in your art. Well, honestly, same level. Same level of importance. Um, so my grandparents died when I was very young. Um, and by very young, I mean like 10. Um, by the time I was 10, they were all dead. Oof, downer. Um, <laughs> welcome to the sad part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so, so my um, my mom's mom um, and I. I think we had a really great connection. She also had had a number of strokes before I was kind of cognizant. Um, and so we connected, but like, it was difficult to communicate. Um, and similarly, my mom's, nope. And similarly, my dad's mom had Alzheimer's. And so um, we also, you know, had a very loving relationship, but there was not anything really past that other than like, you know, spending time together sometimes, but it was, it was never really like, it was never like I could uh, get picked up from school by a grandparent or like or like go on a trip with a grandparent. It was always like visits and like, you know, giving them hugs. Anyway, the point is that now, now it's like I'm connecting to them in this completely new way that was never expected. Like never did I think Whoa. I would be wearing my grandmother's clothes. My Bubby's clothes. I'm Jewish, by the way. My Bubby's yeah. clothes. I never, like... Who thinks that they will go into a closet in their house, find a gown that your grandmother wore to your uncle's bar mitzvah, and that you'll put it on and, and like, be a woman? Or, or be a drag queen? Or be, like, a, a performer? Like, no way did yeah. I think that that would happen to me. And here I, and it happened. And like, and that's really just like so meaningful to me. Yeah. So, so like beautiful to me because like it gives me a lot of love for them because like while we ne didn't necessarily like talk all that much, right? Like they were able to be with me as I like discovered this whole new thing for myself. It's also really important to me because like exploring gender is like always such an interesting journey. And so like to be connected to this like, old country my 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 dad's mom uh emigrated from hungary and like and like that also when i announce my name will really like come into play with my drag name but um like so feeling kind of like i'm in this like kind of new agey kind of modern take on gender while also feeling this connection to like old country also glamour i mean my grandmothers were gorgina okay they were gorgeous and and like <laughs> <laughs> Georgina um, Burana. what <laughs> y'all know that one 
I don't. I was gonna say. Um, okay, never mind. Have you seen Gossip Girl? Georgina Sparks. I feel like there's a character named Georgina Sparks, and she sucks. She's like really annoying. Ooh. Okay. Well, they were gorgeous. Okay, <laughs> and like, and I feel like wow. Like I'm able to feel so beautiful with them. Yeah. Like with their almost like blessing, right? Like that's a wonderful feeling to have, and like, and just such a such a un, such an unexpected glory of this yeah. project and and experience is like that wonderful connection um that will like always be there like my drag experience will be forever intertwined with Jushka and Fredel like that is yeah. amazing to be doing something that is like that is so traditional um as in, like honoring the tradition of your family and honoring your fam, your familial history, um, and also something that you know is drag is is a tradition. It is something mm. that comes out of a tradition and has yes. a tradition, and also is transgressive. Um, Fuck yeah! And to be combining those things, I think that's just incredible. It, it- <laughs> like when you think about like you know girls having to like wear their grandmother's old coat it's like yeah. i don't want to wear this ugly thing but this is like the total like reimagination of that idea yeah oh this is fun to think about it in this kind of like really like in-depth way i feel like i feel incredible but just like <laughs> yeah i i love doing drag i love the way it feels even though i don't like the feeling of the makeup on my face i love feeling like i mean it is certainly liberating it is certainly transgressive which i feel so good about it's like yeah like i am breaking your assumptions like period i am doing something you wouldn't expect and then i'm doing it in grandma's clothes yeah i am like get over it like i feel like that's fun yeah it's not even just the unexpectedness of like doing drag it is the it is an unexpected type of drag mm. it's like i'm doing drag but i'm not doing like you know when you see like a fucking 20 year 21 year old in drag you think gg good you mm. think like very like high glamour fashion like strutting down the runway and this is a totally different take from that. Yeah. Also, I will say that, like, while I did do a lip sync video that I am so happy with and so proud of, <laughs> um, a lot of it was photos, right? And, like, that's, like, a, its own kind of um, old-timey thing. Even though, like, photos, yeah. like, weren't always around. I don't know what I'm saying. Other than, <laughs> um, <laughs> just kind of, like, I haven't really gotten into the performance of it yet, which I'm really excited to do once the world fixes itself. Um, once the world fixes itself. I don't know if you'll be able to hear me over the clapping. <laughs> <laughs> once we fix the world. Right. Once we fix the world. Wow. That's the truth. Um, truth. Well, um, you're right. But, yeah, I really want to get into the performance of it. And also, like, I've kind of used a lot of my grandmother's clothes now. So I, like, I will eventually have to, like, try other stuff. But that's okay, you know? Like, that that will come in its time. And for now and forever, my, my drag will always be inspired and founded in this important connection with 
my grandmother's, like with my parents' parents, which I think yeah. is really great. And the clothes fit? They do fit. Wow. Yeah. That's cosmic. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that is like a huge thing. That's a huge plus. <laughs> because I'm thinking about like trying to fit into my mother's clothes or my grandmother's mm. clothes. And I did when I was in like the seventh and eighth grade and then I, I stopped. Totally. totally. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky there for sure. Wow. I mean, I feel like there was one thing that you came in with that you were like, I wanted to say something about this. And we haven't touched on it yet, which is voting. Oh, I was about to say that talking about we're gonna change we're gonna fix the world is the segue. This election is important, y'all. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> imagine. Imagine. Imagine if someone didn't know that and listening to this podcast, my God. <laughs> well, that's the thing that Kenny and I are always talking. We're like, who are we talking to? Mm. Like when we're like, oh, make sure you register to vote. It's like, duh. Which is why, like. I don't know. And, you know, I do not know every, we don't know every single person who listens to this podcast. So maybe, ooh, right, right, maybe. right, right. <laughs> I'm skeptical, but yeah. maybe <laughs> if you're out there, please send me a DM on Instagram. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I genuinely think that um, many of the folks who listen to this podcast are people who live with a lot of privilege. And I think that now is the time that we use the privileges that we have to like make the world better for folks who have less mm. privilege. Um, so that it is for some people, it is enough to vote and just to say, Hey, you got to go vote because like voting is difficult because that, you know, I think that voter suppression, literally voter suppression, waiting I, online for 11 hours to vote. Exactly. Today was My the first God. day of voting in the first day of early voting in Georgia. And, you know, maybe just because there were a lot of people who really wanted to go on the first day. Yeah. But people even in early voting going on the first day and having to wait hours and hours and hours is ridiculous. I think about, like, my – D.C. has – is a great state for voting because we don't have Senate seats that they care about. And so not a for state. Them, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, unless we take back the Senate, Hanny. Um Work. But oh, that, God. like, oh. to my family, to my, like, affluent grandparents, like, voting just, voting has always been important to us, but, like, it also just has always been easy. Like, voting just is something that, like, it didn't, we never had to, Sure. maybe, like, when I was a kid and there was less early voting, like, it was something that you really had to stand in line for, but, like, ever since, like, I don't know, for the last, like, 10 years or so, whenever my parents would go to vote, anytime that I've gone to vote in D.C., it's like, you walk in and walk out. Um, wow. And the reason why a lot of people don't vote is because it is not that way for them, right? Like, it is because, right. like, voting ta is something that takes a really long time. It's because it's something that, you know, maybe you have been incarcerated, and so, you, like, figuring out how to pay off your bills if you can or cannot pay them mm -hmm. off is something that you can or cannot do. Um, anyway, for the folks where voting is easy, like I sent in, send me an absentee ballot and filled it out and sent it back. And it's already like, I did it. It's done. Um, like do more, <laughs> like do something. You right. should do something more for the folks who the voting is the hard task. If the hard task is not voting for you, like go find a hard task and do it. <laughs> 
Which... Well, not to brag about myself, <laughs> but I am currently gainfully employed by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, which I'm very lucky about. So, I mean, like, I obviously have, like, a huge privilege of time right now. I'm taking time off from school. Um, I am able to dedicate quite a lot of time to calling voters in Wisconsin to be like, hey, heard you like voting. You want to do it? with me right now like <laughs> not saying that i'm doing phone sex um i don't think that that's was after even, the election right <laughs> that's my next job um actually but yeah i mean like i think you know being on the auto dialer for hours on end obviously is like not what i expect to be spending my time doing um it is not necessarily fun though it is something that i care really much about especially because i was i was and am feeling a bit hopeless like generally about the state of our union and generally the world though i try to keep that hopelessness in check i try to remain cautiously optimistic about like the stuff that people can do when they are working together. Hey, collaboration, Jerome. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, like, what was I saying? You're giving us optimism, hope in the face of hopelessness. <laughs> and the time yeah. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, so while, while I was feeling really hopeless, and then I was like, okay, let me do something for myself. Let me do something selfish to, to, uh, <laughs> to stop my guilt, to pl- plug it up, cork it, okay? Cork that guilt. Cork it, Annie. That's the hashtag. <laughs> hashtag cork that guilt. That's terrible. Anyway. Biden Harris. <laughs> sounds. Like, those sounds together are hard do to not hear. make sense. I'm not making any sense. But, you know, what can I do to make sure that, like, my hopelessness does not lead to inaction or, like, a, a, an outcome that I wish, that I would say, oh, I wish I could have done more. We can all and do we can always we can do, all more. Always do more. Let's just right. say that one, right? Like, always, always, always. <laughs> but, you know, now at least I feel like I'm doing something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's, yeah. I just am, I'm listening to you speak i'm thinking about the things that i said before that like you know it it is very easy when it becomes you know okay how do we get to 270 Mm. and what are the states that we need to win and what are the senate seats that we need to flip blah 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 to be it becomes like a chess game it becomes okay well how do we you know win this whatever um and that's just not what it's about Mm. and i want to be in a country where that is not what it's about <laughs> where it's about doing good for real people totally <laughs> um that means we've got to get from where we are now to there um and part of that is voting part of that is a lot of other things part of that is you know being actually involved in community with the people who are around us and like actually caring about the bad things that happen and so when people like get really frustrated by, you know, whatever circumstance they're in or whatever our political climate looks like, like paying attention to that because the idea is not just 
to win again. That's just been the story the mm. whole time. Like <laughs> that has been the dominant theory is like which team is going to win the Super Bowl of elections. Um and uh, that shouldn't be what it's about. I'm thinking about like local stuff right now. Like because at the end of the day, I will not ever meet everyone in the country. But there are communities that I am a part of, right? That like that could use my help, right? That could use extra hands. Like, there are already so many com- community or like I'm thinking. I'm thinking about like, like right now I am focused so much on like this like federal business because it is the one that is you know pressing because democracy v fascism is intense, but like after that. It's gonna get like real important to focus locally, right? Like, not even just with elections. It's like, sure, making, creating and choosing leaders is like definitely important in the long run because they get to make decisions. But like, I'm now thinking about like, okay, like, what can I do in Yonkers? What can I do in New Haven? Like, like, what are the things that I will end up doing? that won't be calling people to vote, right? Because right now I feel great about myself. I feel, I'm like, oh, wow, look at me. I'm like doing all this cool, good stuff that, you know, may have (laughs) this cool, good stuff. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have some kind of effect on (laughs) someone's vote that may really change things, right? Like Wisconsin went to Trump by like six votes per precinct in 2016. And maybe I will help six votes. Maybe I'll help more than six votes. I think I probably have hopefully helped more than six votes. The point is, like, when that's said and done, whichever way November goes, like, there's going to be something else to do that won't be as easy to say, ah, yes, this is what you do, right? Like, there, like, and that's where you look to other people to, to help. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm saying things that are totally weird. No, I think that there are... <laughs> Unfortunately, there are Mm. people who rely more on communities than we do that like part of part of uh, privilege in capitalism is not having to rely on other people Mm. is like being Mm. self-reliant. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, It's like being like, I can take care of myself and I don't need the government to do this for me and I don't need other people to do that for me or whatever. And I can think for myself and and like that all snowballs together. Um, but the people who are, meanwhile, the people who have been putting in the work of sustaining mm. communities are the people who rely on it. And that's not to say, you know, no one else is, <laughs> you know, the, the point of American whatever is that once you don't need it, you don't have to care about it. Um and that's why the people at the top are like, we don't need all this stuff for the people at the bottom. <laughs> the people at the bottom are like, oops, sorry, I use that. <laughs> like, that's for me. That's not for you. That's for me. Um, and so those are the people who, like, know, right? <laughs> those are the people who will will tell others what they need and what is helpful and how to do it. Kenyon? I have nothing. I have. I mean, y'all took that right I on away. I have nothing. Thing. Nothing. Oh. Nothing if I don't have you. <laughs> you singing that is reminding me, of course, that uh, 
Kurt Hummel saying that on the <laughs> which is a great segue into um, <laughs> Noah is our first white gay on the podcast. <laughs> which is just so important to note. Inaugural. Yes. <laughs> yes, as we talk about voting, as we talk about elections, <laughs> inaugurations. Really, the truly. inaugural white gay person. Look. I didn't even know that was in a, a category at the Academy Awards. You're but, right. But, you know, but it's it going to win. It's going to win. And here's the next part of that, is that I will be the also first repeat guest of this podcast, first repeat white gay on the podcast. You're... Setting intentions, you're setting, uh, you're gazing into the I'm future. Goal setting. Right. I'm goal setting. Manifesting. Yes. I'm telling you that I will be on this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> mm, 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 I'm mm. trying to think of what white gay would beat you to it. The, uh, white gay would beat me to the repeat? Yeah. Do tell. Um, Let them hear well, it. I think we might have to tackle that offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to call uh, Chaston. And see <laughs> you know me and Chaston. <laughs> no, no, no. We're huge fans of each other. Wow. You deserve each other. This had in you. Sing. <laughs> I um, what I need right now is a good round of 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 respect. Mm. So that we can all kind of bestow and pay our respects to the binaries that keep us alive. Really, like, yeah. Democracy I've versus fascism, a... Republican versus Democrat. You've really been giving it to us, and I need us to go all the way there now. Man versus woman. Uh. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a respect the binary. Um, it has to do with my briefly mentioned uh, Romeo and Juliet, um, mm. and my binary is Romeo or Juliet. How I see the connection. Okay. Okay. You see. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a classic, you know. Tales on his time. <laughs> so wait, is the binary beauty or beast, or is it? Oh my god, no, that can be yours. But my binary I have is one. why do you think I don't oh have god, one? Oh god, I don't have one. You... Mine my binary is gonna be having one or not having one. <laughs> <laughs> well, me first. <laughs> Romeo versus Juliet. I love women. So I'm going to say Juliet. I feel like I want to... Well, is Juliet pretending to be dead? No. Yes. Juliet is more She pretends to be dead, and then Romeo is like, she's dead, like, now I'm going to die. And then she's like, no, Um, wait, Romeo just died while I was pretending to be dead? Now I have to kill myself. That's me. Well, she's not just pretending. She's like been drugged, oh, right? Oh, she yeah. She takes a th- she drugs herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She takes a thing that makes oh, her yeah, heart yeah. stop, but not stop. Now that's drama. But it doesn't work. <laughs> that, see, that's that's Juliet. That is me. Yeah. See, I think I have to go for Juliet as well. Wow, this is a well, great agreement. Way, who's related to? Oh yeah, and Juliet has nurse. <laughs> nurse is gay. Absolutely. Nurse is a queer woman. Absolutely. Mm, mm. Um, I'm going Juliet too. I too am going Juliet because I think she has the best lines. Mm. Wherefore art Give thou Romeo? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. I mean, I she's giving you theory, okay? Mm. She's giving you theory in the midst of deep passion and love, and you know that's for me. And I guess Romeo is just a sack of <laughs> Okay, look, here's the thing about <laughs> Romeo. Romeo is boring. But no, I don't think he's boring. 
I don't think he's boring. I think we're all gay men. <laughs> or gay people who are not going to relate to Romeo. I just, like, he's, like, I don't know. You're saying we're all up in the tower. Sure, we're in the tower. We're also going to... Very isolationist. <clears throat> ivory. Ivory tower. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're all, we're all, like, you know far more inclined to, like, the glamour of Juliet rather than the, like... The noble fight of Romeo. Pro- yeah, I was going to say something uh-huh. along the lines of, like, the macho, but I don't think Romeo's all that macho. I don't... Honestly, the truth is that I think Romeo is probably a bit gay himself, being so <laughs> romantic. <laughs> No, I think he just has exclusively gay friends. Mercutio. Like, I think that, like, Absolutely. Mercutio, ben, Benvolio, Tybalt. Tybalt, they're all gay. Because they're all like, ooh, no, you can't <laughs> talk And then they, like, kill Tybalt <laughs> and Mercutio. Yeah, they, like, all die. That's gay. It's gay to die. <laughs> wow. It's gay. <laughs> and everyone dies. So, guess what? <laughs> Mm. What did I say last time? I guess time? who wins in the end. Living is gay. Mm. And dying is gay. <laughs> so. Everybody's got all some explaining all... to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That was a great binary. Um, it was. To continue. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To continue in, in theatrics. Um, are, are you more opening night? More closing night? This is bringing me right back to being double cast. Oh my God. <laughs> because sometimes you got opening and sometimes you got closing, but you never got both. Wow. Wow. I think I'm... I, I think in action, this is not the rules. The rules is that I have to pick one. Um, <laughs> I feel that I, in action, am good on opening night like i'm the one who's like come on everybody it's gonna be great all right and is that over there and make sure everything's together and all right we rehearse this and here we are and let's do it um but i as a person am a closing night because i'm like <laughs> we've done this way. we ain't never doing this again <laughs> it's like do whatever you want <laughs> you know i love the like I'm I'm like three curtain calls. I'm, you know, giving someone a standing ovation at their big number because you know that, like, you're not clapping for the standing ovation. You're clapping for the person, um, which I don't agree with in terms of theater, but I that's who I am as a person. So I'm going to say closing night. I can't decide. Opening night... Opening night is very good because... You're starting, and that's fun. Closing night <laughs> is good because I think I'm probably opening night. I can't. I think. I think for me, it's the the rush of like, wow, we did it, but but we still have more to go. Like the like, wow, we did all that rehearsal, and now we just did the first show. Everyone, like, I feel like that's like pretty cool. And then closing night is is great because it's like, oh my god, everybody, wow, oh my god, let's go to the diner. But like, <laughs> I never did that. I never went to any fucking diner. Okay, but um, 
attacked, I feel. <laughs> Kenyon and I as the diner queens. <laughs> See our spin-off direct-to-DVD movie, Diner, diner Queens. Queen. <laughs> yeah, catch my first drag performance at a diner. Um, yeah, I think I'm opening night. You're opening, opening night. night. Okay. Wow. I think that I, I'm, I'm a closing night mm. girl. Two against one. Just mm. how I like it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. And you, you like know, them both like to it. close too? You well. you really are Stop, an opening night. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think we've just got to leave that right there. <laughs> and move move, move right, right out of my life. <laughs> move, move. Move right out of my life. Move it, move it out of my life. I think <laughs> I think I have to go with um, play or musical just because I know my answer to that one, um, which is play. <laughs> um, I mean, I've just got to say musical. You know when a play is like a really long? Yes, I do. And no one's singing. It's like, what? Absolutely. <laughs> my <laughs> mom and my sister said once that they like, we're so used to, I don't know why they would be so used to me doing musicals. In high school, we did one musical a year. So it's mm-hmm. like, there's only one. But <laughs> they would like get anxious when we did plays because they'd be like, When's, when are they going to sing? <laughs> why haven't they started singing yet? <laughs> and it's like, well, it's a play. This is hard for me. I mean, I famously contain multitudes and straddle divides. Um. Well, you just have to you just have to pick which one of us you like more. Oh, oh, that's so that's so much easier. Um, <laughs> no, why did you say that? Now I can't respect this binary. No, the binary is Noah versus Jerome. Wow, actually, that's a way better one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jerome. <laughs> I I'm also gonna no. say Jerome. Rude. And Kenya will also say Jerome, and that's in your No, the binary is play versus okay. musical. I mean, play, you've got, it's, it's text. You know the text. <laughs> yes. Text. text. Okay. But musicals, I mean, even, even musicals that are not so good, they are at least giving you comedy. <laughs> you know? But like a bad play is like okay, a, oh, you're so no. right. You are so right. A bad uh, play, a bad no. play is some of the worst torture to undergo. But when you, when I think about a good play, I am like, they did that. Like they like fully brought it and like have elevated my understanding of theater, art, and life. Like I, when I see a good play, I'm like, I have been cleansed. I feel way more catharsis after a good play than I do after a musical. And so that's why I've got to go with an operetta. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I got to choose, if I've got to choose, I'm going to go play. Oh my God. I didn't expect that one. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Text, text, text. I think you mean. (laughs) Um, Hey, gay people. (laughs) The gays are calling. The gaze. Oh, wow. This was so beautiful and so fun. Life-giving, yeah. sustaining. 
life-giving. Life juice. (laughs) (laughs) Life juice. Life juice. You know that's what they call water. Oh, boy. Life juice. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I really had a great time, though. I gotta say, this was definitely the best way to spend my evening. (laughs) That was me bleeping it out. Oh, such a bad joke. (laughs) Such a horrible (laughs) Thank you for reading me into the joke, though, because I... I didn't get it. Yeah, I you were wasn't like, there for the no. first time. Yeah, I know. This is a great way to spend my evening with you guys. I love talking to you. We should actually just call each other more since you never call me. <laughs> I think actually... No, that was a joke. That's a actually joke, correct. Joke, joke. No, it's... I, it wasn't a joke. I'm not laughing. Where are the jokes? <laughs> Where are the jokes? <laughs> it's like a sneeze. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't even in the original quote. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's more of an amalgamation. Anyway, this has to be over now. Bye. That's what I've decided. Bye. Noah, thanks Thanks for coming on. Actually, truly. It was so great to have you. It was really fun. Yeah. I love talking about myself. I love attention. (laughs) I love people listening to me. (laughs) Jokes. Go on. Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I write plays. Jokes, 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 jokes. I'm gonna get canceled. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "Ew, Noah's such a fucking self-centered I can't ass." Wait for the edit. Oh god, the edit is gonna be not good, and then I'm gonna blame it on the edit, the like Roxy gonna... Andrews. This is all staying in. <laughs> no. See, I've learned That'll that you the... can't be, you can't show your hand to Jerome. Yeah, really, I clearly cannot. I don't know what's going to happen to our partnership after this. No, wow. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We love that you love we love that. This podcast is brought to you by Jerome, that's me, and Kenyon, that's him. With music by Sophia Campomore and art by Griffin Keller. Drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to We Love That. It's Kenyon. Y'all already know that. And I'm Jerome. You know that, too. But what you don't know is that today we have a guest. It's, I mean, a brilliant person. A writer, a singer, an actor, uh, a deep collaborator. I mean, what more can be said? It's Noah Parnes. He's Uh, here. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. No, no. I'm so sorry I fucked that up. I'm so sorry. That is too good. That was my God. Good. That was too good. That actually needs to be the outro. That needs to be the app. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. No, no, that was perfect. So, oh. <laughs> oh. So okay, sorry. here we go. This is okay. third time, you know what they say, third time. This is, is the fourth, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs>